0: Have you
1: thought this through? No way
0: will that work. Are you sure? Is there any money in that? You'll right. never make any money
1: doing that. How are you going to pay the mortgage? Just get a job. Are you going to try and sell that? Why can't you be normal like anybody else? All right. Will your parents morons too? <laughs> Savvy
0: entrepreneur to the rescue! Congratulations. Congratulations. That really turned out well. Really I'm really good. I'm really I'm surprised. You know, I wish. I never
1: How did you do that? i you're I wish I had the courage to Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. I'm Doris Nagel, your host for the next hour. The Savvy Entrepreneur Show has two goals: to share helpful information and resources. If I can help just one of you entrepreneurs out there. Not make some of the mistakes I've made or what some of my guests are going to candidly share that they've made a long way. The show has achieved its purpose. But the second goal of the show is to inspire. Being an entrepreneur is, I think, confusing, lonely. Often you don't know who to turn to or what the right answer is or whether you're even on the right track. So every week I have guests on the show who are willing to share their stories and their advice. And this week's guest is Monica Joshi. She is the founder and president of the Art of Pure. Monica is on a mission to prove that beauty can be synonymous with sustainability. I think that's a pretty interesting topic because a lot of us use health and beauty products, most of us, hopefully, but I'm not sure... I know what goes into some of those products that I put on my body, and I'm sure that's true of some of you out there. So Monica's going to share the story of how she took that on as a cause and has grown a business around it. So Monica, thanks so much for being on the show today. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. Thank you, Duras. Hi, how are you? I am absolutely great. It is a gorgeous day here in the North Chicago suburbs been a glorious day. And and thank you for having me on. Well, thank you for being here. Let's start with just having you talk a little bit about yourself. I mean, who are you as a person and what led you down this path of entrepreneurship?
0: So, yeah. So, you know, I've uh, uh, lived here in Chicago for about six years or so. Before that, I used to Live in New York, and um, I used to be an investment banker uh, for a very long time. Wow, so, that's cool. Yeah, so yeah, I've I've uh, you know been working in finance forever, and you know at so at a certain point, I was just working too much. I had very little kids. I couldn't spend enough time with them. You know how that story goes. But I was kind of just burnt out, and my husband's originally from here. And grew up here in Chicago so we we kind of just decided to make a move to Chicago and you know just start a different chapter of our life so we moved here and um you know we've been obviously um, happy I have a lot more time with my kids so yeah this is this is where it all began I mean I had an itch to do something and um, I'm I've always been one of those people who do like to lead a healthy lifestyle you know i like to eat healthy exercise kind of take care of of not just me but my my kids and my husband as well and there was a time when um, my younger daughter was experiencing a lot of eczema and just other you know skin issues and stuff and that just made me go on to this hunt for more natural products because her derm was asking us to put her on steroids which I was I was really not for and I just you know had to figure something out I I thought there had to be a way to just cure it with some natural products or something else without any strong steroids. So, yeah, you know,
1: it's interesting, isn't it? In our style of medicine here in this country, it's the the first reaction is to write a prescription for something, right?
0: Yes, that is true. There's no other alternative, right? So, well, there are other alternatives. Exactly, exactly. I think the doctors always think that there's nothing else. I mean, if you're coming to me, this is what what should happen, and this is what I'd like you to do. But it's never explored. Like you don't explore, you know, more natural way to uh, fix or or cure any issues, which is kind of sad. But
1: it's definitely. a little arrogant, if you it ask is, me. It is. Um, it is
0: because there are
1: so many things the way the body and the mind are connected that yes. we don't even know about.
0: No, it is. And, uh, you know, I have an Indian background and I lived in um, India for a long time when I was little and there, the the doctor was always the last choice. Like that was the last thing, the last person that you visit to. Otherwise, it was always trying to help your body heal on its own with various different remedies and, and natural products if it didn't happen then you get go to the doctor here i think it's the other way around for a lot of people well i and think that is fortunately
1: changing and i think that so. that's a good thing for your business but i mean obviously the supplements business is just exploding so i think there's lots of people who are they are who are care who care about what they put into their body and are looking to find natural solutions so continue the story. So how did your concern about your daughter's skin
0: problems lead to the Art of Pure? So um, as I was looking and searching for better products, I wasn't able to find too many places where I could just, you know, research ingredients or research uh, products that would actually help with certain conditions. And God there were just very few and I, you know, I didn't want to go to the health food store and buy those products. I wanted to, I wanted to feel nicer. I it had to, it had to feel good and I needed to have a transparent list of ingredients that I could refer to. And I wanted to make sure that anything that went into those products were, were natural and, you know, most cases are organic. I eventually stumbled upon a couple of uh, brands that actually worked for her. And and so I was converted at that point with the kind of products I was looking for. And then coincidentally, that was also one of the brands that I also brought into my business um, online, selling them, and they're doing phenomenally well. But yeah, so that's how basically I started. I wanted to share these kind of products with Everybody and anybody that uh, was looking for natural stuff, but in a very transparent manner and, you know, trying to share what goes into these products, trying to share how they're manufactured, because a lot of these natural organic products are made in small batches and not necessarily Produced in large labs, you know, um, uh, the way we—they're we they're not
1: made by Procter and Gamble. Is gonna no, be, not to single is. them out, but just no, as an right. example,
0: right? Exactly. So these a lot of these products are just you know made in small little labs, um, not by huge factories or anything, and and that's that's really tells us how much care and how much thought really goes behind producing all these um, products because the sourcing has to be impeccable. You know, I think um, for me, it's always been important that I know exactly where the ingredients are sourced from for these products and brands that I do bring in. Sourcing of the ingredients are important. The way they're manufactured are important. You know, um, a lot of these products that we use conventionally, they have a ton of fillers, you know, I mean a lot of them are just basically 70% water and maybe 10% few ingredients that we actually want and will benefit our skin. How do you go about finding these products?
1: I'm just trying to put myself in your shoes and figure out how in the world would I even how would I even get started? I mean, so you had these couple of products from this one company but yep. It's hard to build a whole business around just that. I, I right. assume your goal is to have a whole range of products, meaning you've got to find a bunch of these kind of companies out there.
0: Right, right. So, you know, um, initially it was just a lot of, you know, Google and Instagram. Instagram is, is, is great for so many different products, right? And so many different categories that you want to um, explore. So I was able to find a bunch of brands that um, totally met the values and the ethos that I wanted to bring in as far as brands go. And um, so I did find a bunch of them there. And then there were uh, many trade uh, expos that I went to that I I stumbled upon a few brands, you know, that that actually were great, you know. And um, there were obviously... A lot of these brands are, are smaller. They don't have that much budget for ads and public relations and all this other stuff. So they kind of are under the radar, but their products are just phenomenal. And when people do try them out and actually use them for a while, they, they are converted fans. So, yeah. Are most of these companies receptive to having
1: you help market and sell their products or some of them kind of like, no, we have our, our secrets and we're doing fine. Thank you very much.
0: No, you know, um, there's always a mixed bag. I think there are some that are more than happy, you know, to partner with you, you know, it's, it's a mutual relationship after all. Right. I mean, I'm through my business trying to get their products into the hands of the final consumer and, The same for me, like they're willing to take a chance on somebody like me. So it's obviously a two way street, but there are some brands who don't want to necessarily work with either an online business, you know, that's one thing, or somebody who is just too small, right? Yeah. So those are obviously two challenges that I've always faced from day one because my business was always an online only, you know, like an e commerce business. And they prefer to work with brick and mortar stores and yeah. um, and wanted to have their products been showcased in stores and, you know, let people come and discover or or feel and touch and try on the products. So. Right. Right. And smell them and. Right. And right. Know how they feel. I can
1: I can understand. It's a very
0: no, it's a very tactile kind yep. of products, right? So right. you do, the more their interaction with the products, the better it is for the brand because then they are able to, you know, kind of convince people to buy those products. Right. But yeah, so those were the, the those were the challenges that I've always had from day one. It's funny because at some point they're going to worry that you're too big. Right.
1: It's either too <laughs> small or too big. <laughs> so. It's the Goldilocks problem, yes. right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to guess that at some point companies are going to start
0: approaching you. Has that happened yet? That has, you know, after, after I think the first year or so, I mean, I've been doing this for about three and a half, four years now, but after the first year I I saw many more brands come and approach us and try to get us to uh, work with them and just list those brands and products on the website. And, you know, it's, it's also a catch 22 situation for us because, as much as sometimes I love the brands and products sometimes they just are either not the right fit or you know there's just something that they still need to work on or fine tune in order to be able to attract the kind of um customers and sales that that would make it worthwhile. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, speaking of
1: customers how did you know that there was a market for these products? I mean, you knew you wanted them, but right. how did you know uh, lots of other people did too?
0: You know what at that point when I did start the business, I think it was it was the time when um the whole health scene was really, really starting to become pretty big. You know, everybody was into yoga and Pilates and spinning and this and that. (laughs) Right. And everybody also already was pretty good about eating healthy. I think majority of people um, in the cities are, you know, healthy. Um, You know, they like taking walks, they work out, they eat healthy, they really conscious and thoughtful about what they're eating and uh, the quality of their foods. And, you know, this whole locally grown and consuming kind of a movement was going on. So I think it was just a progression. Like it was, it just felt like if people are really thoughtful about where their food is coming from, it was only a matter of time before people started to really think and wonder and question what was in their skincare and personal care products. So how did they find you though? Well, I guess first question
1: is, is really, how did you build the e-commerce machinery to offer this? You're an investment banker, so you know a lot about funding and yeah. and some aspects of business, but I'm guessing as an investment banker, you never had to build an e-commerce platform before.
0: No, no. I mean, you're right. I never, I never had anything to do with, you know, IT or retail or all those aspects of business, but you know, there's um there's a platform called Shopify. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of it, but yes, it's so, a very popular e-commerce it platform. Is, in it fact, is. in fact, I've had entrepreneurs on the show
1: swear that frankly it is the only way to go. I, I don't know about that,
0: but it sounds like it I don't was... know. It worked for us. And yeah. I will say for for somebody like me who really had no clue, no experience, it was completely like dummy proof. Like it was you could not make a mistake. You know, it was very easy to set up the store. Um, very easy to populate all the products and make it aesthetically pleasing, and also get every information and all the stuff that you needed to in there. And it was quick. I mean, I didn't have to hire anybody. It was just pretty much me um, getting the website all set up. So. It didn't take me too long it, it probably was like about three to f- three months maybe um i was up and running from start to finish but it was frankly very easy so i would recommend shopify to anybody who wants to just you know get it done cheaply and get it done quickly and you know who doesn't have any experience with it and coding and making websites so wow that is quite a testimonial
1: I should consider having somebody on <laughs> Shopify on the yes. show to walk through how easy it is and what it is. platform. All right, so you've got the platform, and that's amazing that that resource is out there. But still, you have to f- have customers find you. How did you accomplish
0: that? I will say that from from the time we were open up until now, we we do rely on Google for a lot of the customers that come in to the website. Google ads is one. We do Facebook and Instagram marketing somewhat. I will say that that has become pretty expensive in the recent past. So that percentage of any ad dollars that go to Facebook and Instagram has reduced, but Google is still a pretty a large percentage of where we get our customers from. And then we have like a bunch of just repeat customers. They just stick around for, they've been with us probably pretty much from day one, and they've, um, you know, they keep buying and they're around for for it all. We keep introducing new brands and new products, so there's always people something keep new coming interests. back, huh? Yeah, yep, yep. Fantastic. Were
1: you self funded essentially? Pretty much, <laughs> yes. Outside funding.
0: No, no outside funding yet, just uh, self-funded so far.
1: Well, I guess with your investment banking background, when you decide you are ready to find funding, if that point ever comes, you'll be well-prepared for that. What were some of the biggest roadblocks in getting started?
0: Um, I don't think I've had that many, fortunately. I mean, the the funding is always one. But you know we we were able to scrape through enough to just get the website launched and get as many brands and products that we could um, could afford comfortably, you know, um and and get the website launched and and just start. I think that was the most important part for me was just get it up and running and start. I feel now, as I have been in business for the last um four years, it's always been um, a challenge to get more brands and more products onto the website. And like we were discussing, it's, I'm in a place where I'm not small, but I'm not big. And it, it, it there are, there are certain brands that I would love to work with that don't want to work with us necessarily yet, because we're not big enough and we don't have a store and we're just online only. So that's one major issue that I keep facing time and time again, but you know I mean, the good thing is that we are opening a brick and mortar now, oh you the- are how interesting. yes we are I was gonna ask you about about that and your business model,
1: but you you just segued right into it,
0: yeah, yeah, no, no, we are, so we're we've signed a lease to where our, our construction is underway, and we should be open um, in November. This, this, there's a really beautiful space in Lincoln Park, right on Armitage. It's actually really, really nice. Um, uh, we're really happy to be there. And now that we do have this store lined up, it's actually been a lot easier and um, much better to just get more brands and find more brands that we actually want to work for. So that has been one good thing.
1: Yeah. With e-commerce, I know a lot of companies, uh, they don't actually buy the products. They place orders and then the manufacturer ships the products. Is that how yours is set up or? um, No, 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 you no. So you actually have warehoused the products from the beginning, huh?
0: No, we have bought products from brands. And we have a warehouse, we're just storing them there. And that's where we fulfill our orders from. So most of these brands are so small and, and um, their products are such that they don't really want it to be drop shipped. You know, they want there to be like a a personal connection with all the brands and and all the products that go out. Um, And that's how we like it as well. I mean, we want to be able to uh, cultivate that relationship with the consumer and with the brands and kind of make it a, a special purchase just for the yeah. customer.
1: Well, I'm guessing that will make it easy for you to transition to an in store model since you already own the product. But I'm guessing that creates a bit of a cash flow challenge in that you have to buy the products and then it's there's a lag between. Buying all those products and selling them, and you have to be pretty good about being able to forecast right. what customers right. are going to purchase.
0: It is, and it's it's always a challenge. Right now, we're just going through um, all the inventory that we do have to order for the opening, and also for the Black Friday period because that is that is one of our largest, you know, sales times. I would say, right. and so it has been it's been a challenge because we do have to account for not just the opening but for for the thanksgiving time period and um yeah we have been <laughs> we have been racking up some uh, credit card expenses <laughs> well, I, well
1: i'm i'm just imagining too the furnishing of a store yeah. and really designing it's so important with your products to design the feel and right. The experience right. you want your customers to have—that I'm sure you spent a lot of time envisioning that and trying to make sure that you get that right.
0: You no, know, and we have—we've uh, hired a designer. She's been, she's come up with a with a great design, you know, which really does communicate our values. We wanted to just keep it light and airy, and go with the earthy tones and keep it clean and minimal. Um, you know, I don't want it to be overwhelming with products. Like I don't, I necessarily don't need it to be cluttered, let's just say, but just clean and minimal and just um, not confusing to find the products or the categories that, um, you know, that you're looking for. So. Right.
1: And I'm sure it's been a challenge hiring people too, because the kind of people you hire for your store might be, Talk about how you've got through that process.
0: I have a couple of people I know in the industry that I have been reached out to for, you know, help with hiring. And you're right. It's been, it's been a challenge to say the least. I mean, um, sometimes you just feel like there are not enough people applying to the job. And then other times they're just not the caliber of people that you really want to hire. So It's obviously a challenge, but um, we're just hoping by the end of the month, we have a a bunch of employees that um, will be happy to work for us and, you know, that that share the same passion that we do.
1: That is enormously exciting to open your first brick and mortar store. So kudos to you you for taking that plunge. Talk about how your business has grown. I mean, obviously it has in order for you to feel comfortable taking the plunge to, to create a brick and mortar store. Talk about
0: that process. Like I was saying, we've been in business for about four years. I will say that the first year was kind of slow. There was lots of things in the business, probably that I was still figuring out and learning um, as I was going. So the first year was slower, but um, it picked up quite a bit after that, you know, after processes and and everything was in place and uh, and I got to know how to run a business, I guess, and um, that worked. And then COVID hit. The first few months of COVID was actually good for us because we are an e-commerce um, business. So when everything was shut down, it was it was great that people found us and could purchase um, uh, products from us. And it has been going pretty well so far. So I think for us, it was always like a natural progression to get into a brick and mortar because I feel like we had just hit a wall where beyond a certain point, I did not think that I would really grow as much as I wanted to. And the only way to grow was to have a brick and mortar because again, it was coming down to the kind of brands I wanted to work with and the products I wanted to offer and just the way it wanted to build community and showcase what our values were and have people just come in and and try and talk about the products or try the product before they bought them. That all made a big difference. And um, I think that the next step for us was to have the brick and mortar. And um, so that's, that's where we are right now. And we're hoping that from here, just, you know, obviously grows and hopefully we can have a few more locations someday. Well, I was going to ask you what your growth plans for
1: the future look like. So if you're successful, what will the business look like three years from now?
0: I mean, like I said, I think it will turn into a few more locations. I think people are really ready for you know smaller more personable clean beauty and wellness stores like ours and um i think just just being wherever the consumer wants to meet you is is where we'll be so i feel like we're going to be at least in a few more um cities by hopefully in the next three years. Oh, so not just locations
1: in Chicago, but in other cities too.
0: Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. Wow. I think lots of cities are ready for it, so. That's exciting. Well, in fact,
1: I was going to say, if you can make it in Chicago, not that Chicago is you know, a bad place, but it's probably not... Maybe I'm being too judgmental about my home city, but it's, it's probably doesn't have the largest population mm-hmm. of people who focus on that. I, I would picture maybe more of the West Coast, West or East Coast, uh, and East Coast, right? Yeah.
0: yeah, definitely.
1: Is that where a lot of your consumers are from, from your website?
0: Yeah, you know, a lot of consumers are actually from the West Coast and East Coast, Um there are obviously a number um, from the Midwest as well, but um, I feel like the people along the coast are probably the most healthiest and probably the most health conscious, I should mm-hmm. say. And, and they're well—that's certainly the stereotype, anyway, for sure. Right, right, and and I think that's that's what it is. That's why they they purchase these products, which which obviously um, go hand in hand with with just healthy.
1: Well. There are definitely countries other than the US where there's a huge focus on natural products.
0: Have you have you had inquiries from people outside the US? We do get occasional um buyers from other countries. The problem always is, you know, shipping. It's easier for them to purchase those same products if they wanted to from some other website, uh, which is local to them versus from the states, so th- that has been our experience so far. The export requirements or the cost of shipping or both? the, the cost of shipping, both primarily, but ma- mostly the 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 cost of shipping.
1: Well looking back, what would you say was the hardest part about starting your business?
0: I mean, i I came at this whole business with zero experience in retail in building a website in marketing in just running a business in general and it, i think that was that just the whole process you know learning it getting on board to social media i mean that was a huge deal for me because i was I I've never been a big social media user so it was kind of just learning it. <laughs> yeah. And there's a um, lot to learn and it changes fast. Yes, there's a lot to learn and when you're when you're someone who doesn't really love being on camera, so to say, mm-hmm. um, it's it's harder. And then, you know, every other aspect of the business like figuring out how to ship product you know, do every, every little detail of your business, you really have to figure out. Sometimes you don't know what you don't know until you actually don't know it, you know, and it was just starting. I think that first year was a huge learning experience for, for me. And yeah, every time you turn around, it's a new mountain to scale. Yes. Yes. And th- and that's the challenge at hand for, for the next, you know, couple of weeks and then you figure that out and move on to another challenge and, and so on and so forth
1: were there resources that you found particularly helpful i mean how did you find answers to some of these questions
0: you know it's 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 always it has been hard to find answer, answers from somebody you can go to um i i haven't had very good luck with that uh so far but um, You know, I think a lot of a lot of answers are generally available on Google and YouTube, right? So I think, <laughs> there's a YouTube video for everything. There know. is. There <laughs> literally is for everything. So it's been easier that way. At least, you know, I, I didn't start a business like 20 years ago when all this information wasn't available, and then it would have been like 10 times as hard. So you know, we we live in an age where anybody can start a business and figure things out as they go and, and learn online and um, you know, just, just get it started. So yeah. it's a, uh, it's, it's been, it's been great that way. So
1: flip side of that, what's been the best part about having your own business?
0: Um, I will say the best part is just, you know, trying to help people. I get to have conversations with a lot of women who, who are looking for products it's always nice just to talk to the end consumer, try to figure out what they want, what they need, what they're looking for and, um, you know, help them that way. And also I'll say the, the best part of owning a business in general is just kind of having a vision for it and being able to execute it on your own without anybody really telling you yes or no. You know, I mean, when you're working for working at a job, I don't think you've, you ever can say that I know how to do this better than my boss. And I know, I know where this business should go and I will take it there. Like that, that would probably never happen. Um, Well, even,
1: even if you do, my experience is when you volunteer that oftentimes it's not really welcome. It's not
0: right. Right. It's, it's not really something that, you know, it's not very welcome. Right. So, I mean, (laughs) in, in this place, I feel like it's just, um, I can take the business wherever I want, you know, however slow I want, however fast I want. You know, I can take it as big as I want, small as I want, whatever it is. It's my vision to execute, and I am the one responsible for executing it. So
1: where do you find inspiration when you had a bad day or run into a tough spot?
0: Um, I, I feel like it's it's just moving on to every, every challenge, right. There's always going to be a new challenge that comes up, but it's about getting past that one thing and keeping the eye on the prize. You know, if, if right now, if I feel like I'm so bogged down with one task and I just don't, don't feel it, I, I move on to another challenge. And i I feel like that's one thing. Maybe, maybe I, I try to do something more creative and, um, work with that challenge or work with that task and and knock that off and then come back to something else that I wasn't really willing or wanting to do. So <laughs> Well, it's, it is hard
1: because as an entrepreneur and a founder, you need to wear a lot of different hats and right. we all don't wear all those hats uh, we, equally yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's always a challenge. The human nature is to do more of the things that we're good at and that we like. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> that's not always the best strategy when you're, uh, when you have a small business. No. Do you think you'll ever get tired of working on this business? And if so, what else might you do?
0: I don't think I'll get tired. Like I, th- I think it's just going to be an ever evolving business. You know, I feel like it's going to be, changing. I think that there's just going to be a, a bunch of challenges and strategic initiatives that will come up that will keep me busy and motivated uh, to just keep going with this business, because I think there's so much more potential than, than you know, than I have. I feel like I've just scratched the surface and I feel I'm just getting started. And um, I think I have a lot of years ahead of me. (laughs) So, Do you think
1: you might even develop a line of products? I mean, I'm envisioning that you find several products that are great, but then there may be
0: areas where you're like, why can't I find this or that? Right, right. And uh, no, that's something that has been on my mind. And that is something that I probably will explore next year. Yeah, that's something that definitely that I want to get into, but what that will look like and how it will come about is something, you know, that I'll probably have to look into more detail probably next year. Well, if you're
1: ever interested, I'll put you in touch with uh, one of my past guests, Kyle LaFond, who's at a company called American Provenance. He's developed a whole line of natural products, mostly men's grooming products, And I I have a feeling the two of you would enjoy chatting. So.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. I'd I'd, uh, love the introduction.
1: Yeah, he's not that far away. He's near Madison, Wisconsin. So looking back at your journey, what advice would you give to other entrepreneurs, especially women entrepreneurs?
0: No, don't let anything get in your way. I mean, if you want to do something, don't let experience or lack of knowledge or, you know, time or family or anything else could just get in the way. Just, you just have to get up and, and do it and um, try to seek out and surround yourself with other entrepreneurs and people who will be able to give you advice because sometimes this really is a lonely journey. And sometimes you don't know who to turn to or to ask any questions that you might have. Even the most mundane, sometimes you just feel like, you know, you don't want to ask that question. But I think, I think if you do surround yourself with women entrepreneurs or people who have some sort of business or, or done something, then it just makes that path a little bit easier and um, make more, less mistakes and waste less time. Any advice for how to
1: find some of those entrepreneurs? Because one of the challenges is, is that entrepreneurs are very busy people. So yeah. how, how do you find some of those people no, that's fill uh, that's your community? Uh,
0: that's, a, that's a good question. I think it's always, it's so hard to find entrepreneurs that you can count on. But I would say, I mean, sometimes um, I have had good experience even just talking to founders of the brands that I work with. Um, they are a lot of times open and, you know, will point you in the right direction of, of any, of any issues or questions that you might have. Um, so it's just that if you have other vendors, suppliers, people that you are in touch with, um, those people could be a pretty good resource. And, yeah. um, And then, you know, I mean, I would even talk to like people who you interact with on a daily basis, you know, the, some coffee shop. And if you know people that, (laughs) yeah, no kidding. I mean, those people will be open to just, you know, answering some questions. I mean, um, the nail salon, maybe that you go to some, some place, you know, there are always, always entrepreneurs that we all interact with. And, um, if you can get, you know, friendly with somebody that's, that's, that's all you probably need. Yeah. Great, great advice. Well, one
1: last question for you, Monica. If people are interested in chatting with you, maybe they have a line of products, maybe they have a similar objective, or maybe they are just interested in learning more about your products to buy. What's the best way for them to connect?
0: So um obviously I have the website it's called uh, artofpure.com um there's a there's a contact us kind of a page so you can definitely reach out fill out the form there um you can also just email us there's an email address there just email us and um I'll definitely get those those emails because um yeah it's pretty much just uh me and a couple of other part-timers right now so I'll be seeing those emails. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're big you're getting bigger, but not quite that big yet. Not not quite that big yet. Let's see. I mean, I'm I'm thinking by November and December I'll be pretty busy and people will be filling in a lot for me. But um till then it's it's me. Well, I cannot wait to watch
1: the progress uh, of the story of your business, and um, I hope that the opening of your brand new flagship store in Chicago is an enormous success, and um, I will definitely look for it when I'm down in that area. Definitely do.
0: I'll I'll watch
1: your story with interest and, and cheer you on. And if I can be of assistance to you, please don't hesitate to reach out. So thank you so much, Monica, for, for being on the show this week.
0: Thank you, Doris. Thank you for having me. It was great to have you. Thanks. Nice talking to you. Well, thank you for, I'm sorry. Nice talking to you.
1: It was great talking with you as well. Today in the time we have left. I'd like to talk about a disconnect that I've often seen with the entrepreneurs I've coached or mentored or even talked with friends and colleagues about. There are many disconnects (laughs) often, but one in particular that I think is common is the disconnect between what you as the entrepreneur want from the business and the risks you're willing to take. It's not just a theoretical disconnect. I'd argue you can't develop meaningful goals for your business without reconciling this conflict. Let's deconstruct that and then talk about a couple of examples. First, it's critical that you're clear about what you want from the business. Think about that. Is it income? Yes, of course. But how much? Is it more important for you to make a comfortable wage, or are you hoping to make a lot of money growing and selling your business? How important is it for you to change people's lives, give back to your community, or simply make something cool? Is it because you like building things, fixing a problem, making customers smile? Ask yourself, why do you want to create this business, or exactly why do you Did you create the one that you have? What brings you the most pleasure about it? Some people tell me, oh, I don't know. I just don't want to work for the man or the woman. But that's not enough clarity to move forward with a successful business. I always admire those people who seem very clear on their why. Some people, I suspect, maybe because I'm a little jealous, clearly state why they started and are running the business they are. I'm not always sure if it's the truth or that they've just perfected a good storyline. But in any case, there clearly are some of you out there who are really clear about why you started and are growing your business every day. And if you have that clarity, you are indeed lucky. I think many of us aren't very clear about why we started the business we did or why we worked so hard at it. And if you're struggling with your why, I have recommended in the past, and wholeheartedly uh, continue to recommend again, Simon Sinek. Books um, start with "Why," and his follow-up book, "Find Your Why." There are lots of exercises out there on the internet. Some of the best are linked on my website at thesavvyentrepreneur.org, but I think Sinek's books are among the best. It's difficult to see ourselves clearly sometimes. And what I like about the books is that they take you through some of the mental and emotional preparation that's needed to see ourselves and our motivations more clearly. So that's the side about what we entrepreneurs want from our business. Now let's talk about the other side. What risks are you willing to take? Risk can come in lots of forms. I think most of us probably focus on the financial aspects and that's a pretty important one. Are you willing to mortgage your house or take on a second mortgage? Are you willing to spend out all your savings? Do you have enough cash saved up that you can live on for several months or maybe even a couple of years? Are you willing to tap into your IRA? Are you willing to take out a loan or borrow from the bank or from friends and family? And it's not just money. The risks come in other forms. Are you willing to move out of your comfort zone, sometimes frequently? Receive criticism. Have friends and family think you're crazy. Spend long, long hours away from your family. And take risks when you have no idea sometimes whether you're making the right decision. Whatever the risks of your particular business and situation, make sure you've... Thought those through and have very explicitly discussed those with your family as well as your business partners. As we talked about last week in the interview with Elaine Fry, all too often the costs are greater than we anticipate and that can leave you feeling stressed, overworked, sometimes not even enjoying the process of working in this business, but feeling trapped because you've come so far to throw it all away. I've seen quite a number of would be entrepreneurs who can't move forward because they simply cannot reconcile the disconnect between what they want in their business and the risk they're willing to take. There's a woman I know who wanted the security of a franchise restaurant model, but she dreamed of creating new interesting dishes with her daughter. Not a likely combination to be successful. Another woman wanted to open a high-end daycare, but didn't have much cash and was unwilling to mortgage her home or tap into her IRA to finance the facility investment she would need to make. Then there was the physician with a novel medical device who really, really dreamt about being the CEO, but couldn't accept the idea of taking less as compensation than his current salary as a doctor with a successful practice hundreds of thousands of dollars, not the likely salary of a startup CEO. Another man had his grandmother's best cupcake recipe that everybody loved, but he couldn't make any decisions about how to create a business around this because it was clear he was uncomfortable with taking many risks. As we talked about last week, the answers to these questions will drive a lot of your daily decisions, how you spend your time. Who you hire, what you delegate to them, how you invest in the business, and even where you look for funding and how much you're seeking. As I said earlier, I personally do not believe it is possible to make meaningful goals for your business without being clear about the trade-off between what you want and what you're willing to risk. And if you don't have meaningful goals, it's very difficult to develop a strategy. I'd say pretty much impossible. You may find the risks are greater than anticipated as you go along. And so your goals may change once you realize that. And and that's okay. It's a normal part of the journey, but your path will be much clearer if you've got a good handle on what you want from your business and the risks you're willing to take from the very start. Well, folks, that's our show for this week. It's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. If you have questions or want more information or just want to shoot the breeze, please don't hesitate to reach out to me at dnagel at thesavvyentrepreneur.org. You'll always get an answer back from me. Now, there's also a library of tools, of blogs, podcasts, and other free resources there. So take a gander when you get a chance. Meanwhile, once more, a special shout out to Monica Joshi, the founder and president of Art of Pure, who was my guest this week. Be sure to join me again next Saturday at 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern. But until then, I'm Doris Nagel wishing you happy entrepreneurial.